Hello and welcome back to the Broker Bros Podcast. We are here for episode eight. As always, I'm your host, Joe Adonolfi. I'm your co-host, Alex Kushka. And it's it's good to be back. We took a little bit of a hiatus there. Um, well, we did just, what, one, one week off? One week off, yeah. One week off, that ain't too bad. Um, for everybody out there, I, I guess, uh, if you've heard the rumors, they're true. I did, in fact, uh, come across the old COVID-19. Uh, but I'm here to say that not so bad. Just a little flu. Uh, I'm still here, living and breathing. Yep. Cleared through all the protocols and, and ready back to work. So that was, that, was, yeah, that was an interesting one, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm happy you made it through. We're back. We're ready to ready to get after it again, Joe. Yeah, it gave gave you a little time to kind of relax at home yep. too, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, we're uh, we're back for episode eight. I know it's not been it's been a little bit over two months that we've been at this because we've taken a few breaks here and there with the, uh, the ever-changing world we're in in 2020, but yep. um, making our way over to 10, and then from there, it just only goes up. So Yeah, we'll keep it going. It's been a good ride so far. Um, a lot of you out there have been kind of giving us some good feedback on the content, things like that, um, and really just want to thank everybody out there who subscribes, listens, um, tunes in. You know, it's, it's only going to grow from here, yeah. but uh, want to kind of just give a shout-out to all the uh, – well, there's some fans that we have out there. Not a huge following yet, but that's okay. We're, we're in it for the long play. Yeah, we're we're here for the long play. Um, but we're back to we're back to talking freight, man. Yeah, and I would say for our listeners too, give us suggestions on things you want to hear us talk about. We are here for that. We want to talk about what the what the listeners want to hear. Yeah. So submit those uh, those suggestions to the broker bros at shipldi.com or comments on LinkedIn. You can message us uh, however you want to do it. Let us know if there's an important topic that you'd like to hear us discuss. We'd be happy to. Important topics we need to discuss. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. Those boys. Those boys in, in white. All white. The white face fans. Yeah, that's what did it for us. Killing yeah. it on Monday night, man. What, do you, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts? What are your, your afterthoughts? Your conclusions? Your your worries? Your predictions? What do you got for me? I, uh, so, I went into it. I expected we would win. I mean, San Fran had Oh, you back. expected it? Yeah. They had I was back. worried, man. I was a little worried. I know San Fran's a tough team no matter what. They have a lot of injuries, but any team with a backup quarterback, I feel like you should have the advantage over them if you do have your star quarterback playing. It's a good point. Um, none of the ESPN analysts thought we were going to win, though. Everyone was picking 49ers except uh, good old Booger McFarland, so he got it right on that. <laughs> he was um, the lone wolf. But, man, what a great game by Josh Allen. That was – I think he was – I saw a stat. First Bills quarterback to have 80% completion, four touchdowns ever. Um, on Monday Night Football, no less, when we hadn't had a win since 1999. We broke another streak, Alex. So 21 years. Oh, that's, that's awesome. We had the drought of the playoffs out in 2017, and then now, finally, finally, no more droughts. <laughs> Just the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was an awesome game to watch. Like it, I felt like we were in control pretty much from start to finish, minus a few fumbles here and there, but yeah. we were – we were kind of kicking butt. Oh, it was dominating. It was a dominating performance. It was the first time that I've seen a Josh Allen-led Bills team from second one to the closing bell. Yep. Total domination. Didn't let up, which is Didn't let up. normal even, for us. Right. <laughs> even when they're down 7 nothing in the first, I, I still was totally, totally confident. I felt fine about it, yeah. I felt I totally fine. I knew we'd score on them. I know they had some injuries. They had some corners out. So. I mean, yeah, think about it. We put up put up 34 points and 
we lost the ball on a fourth and goal on the first drive. Yeah. And the next possession, Zach Moss fumbles, fumbles at the one. On the one-yard line, yeah. So we had two possessions. We Think about have, that. I mean, the one, we probably would have got a field goal on at least. So, yeah. And I feel like most of our scoring was in the first three quarters. After that, we kind of let up somewhat because we were up by, what, 17 points. Yeah. And so that defense doing finally coming around. Getting some you know, turnovers. That's, interceptions. Yeah. That was great to see. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, 24 points, sure. But, yeah. That last touchdown, total garbage time. Yeah, you know, absolutely. so like holding teams under twenty, scoring above thirty, that's a winning formula in this league. That's a Chiefs formula. That's a Saints formula. Like they're they have arrived in my eyes. They have arrived. I think they've arrived too. And it's the team we're playing next week. That's how they play as well. Oh Holds man, you down, put up thirty points. They're gonna. I mean, well, they had their first loss, but Crybaby Steelers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I feel pretty good about this one. I, I feel great. Lie. I feel great. I, I feel f- like we're on the upswing. They're on the downswing. I feel a lot better about this one than I did the Niners game. I'll be honest. Me with too. You know. Me I too. mean, uh, but again, I, I'm a Buffalo Bills realist. I, I've, yeah. I've been around. I've been around the block as far as losing goes. So. A lot of disappointing games where you just. Yeah, I'm not gonna come out here and just wave the flag that the Bill they're winning, no doubt. You know what I mean? It's gonna be a tough game. It definitely will be. That defense of Pittsburgh hit by the injury bug lately. Uh, big thing not having Bud Dupree, their yep. backup linebacker that was filling in for Devin Bush. Saw that was He's playing phenomenal. Well. He's probably gonna be out. The only thing I don't like, they're getting James Conner back. Right. They might, and that's what they've been struggling with on offense is the running game. Yep. So that's going to be something to tune into is the defense. But I did that. hear on the radio today, they don't really run the ball much at all. They like to put it in Ben's hands. He throws it 50 times a game. Yes. Yeah. our strength defensively. So You're right. I mean, the only thing on. I would say about that is that the past, like, four weeks, I think Connor's been out. And that's kind of when they've gotten True. away from the running game. So yeah. who knows? I mean, that's the only thing that I would say I'm very worried about as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers offense because – I think that, that that pass rush and, and our secondary can hold up against Roethlisberger. He's really just getting it out quick. Yeah. Five-yard patterns, things like that. He's not chucking the ball, you know, like Allen is down right. 30, 40 yards down the field. Yeah, I would say the biggest concern for the Bills, like if our O-line can hold up, give Josh Allen a little bit of time. Like I know they have a very good defensive line and it's not yeah. going to be easy. Yeah. If we can hold up, I think we should win. If they're getting pressure on Allen all day, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be tough to score points because T.J. Watt's going to be in there. Making plays. Yeah, I know. I, that offensive line is going to be a, uh, a telling sign for this game. But, ah, man, I, I just wish it was – I wish it was in front of fans, man. Oh, I know. Could you imagine Bill Stadium Sunday, Sunday night, night against the Steelers? 11-1 versus 9-3? Yep. Oh, man. I'm getting chills just in thinking December, about it. In December, I know. We might have – who knows what we'll have, snow or something. Like, that's, that's going to be a great game. I say screw it. Let's go. I'm going to the game. Yeah. I don't <laughs> we'll <care>. sneak in. <laughs> I'm going – I'll probably be in handcuffs, but, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and, and we'll get into it. What, what do you got? What do you, what do you think for the uh, for the final outcome on that one? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I do think we pull this one out. I really do. I mean, I feel like we're playing much better than they are right now. They are, Like I said, they're on the downswing. They've been looking kind of rough the last couple of weeks. Um, they got beat by the old Washington football team. So The old Washington football team. Let's go with – I know it's going to be close. I know it's going to be close. 31-28, Bills. Are you a mind reader, man? Because <laughs> literally I was just – I was about to say, you know, I think Connor's going to find a rhythm. I think he might go for 100 yards, a couple touchdowns. I'm uh, thinking 31-28, Bills. <laughs> I can't even say that now. All right, fine. I will go 34-28. to 28. There you go. 
I was going to go 34-28 Bills. Maybe they'll get an extra field goal in there. I really thought it was going to be 31-28, but Alex took that on me. He stole it. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that we're definitely going to have some problems. I feel like either that passing game is going to be f- resurrected for the Steelers or that running game is going to be resurrected, one of the two. Um, I think they'll definitely put up some points. But I think that this offense of we the Bills – player. we got to play our game. Yeah, this offense of the Bills is what just – I'd rival it against – obviously not – all the way up to par, but I'd rival it against the Chiefs as far as explosive firepower when they're yeah. clicking. Yeah, when they're clicking, that's the thing. So right, hopefully, hopefully they are. Sunday I love night. it, man. I just love that we're game. yeah, we're we're talking nine and three for the second year in a row. You yeah, know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, we're building something here in Buffalo, and that's that's been since we've been born, man. We've been looking that's for happened. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we are here to talk a little bit about freight. I think. Um, <laughs> So, I know that uh, – I'm going to kind of hand the reins off to you, Alex. I know that you were uh, you were looking into a couple different articles on, on trying to get us a market update here. Not yeah. too much news going around in, in freight now in the last like week or so, but you have a little update on containers and intermodal moves. What do you yeah, got? Like you said, it's been a slow news week for freight, but I did find something interesting that I've heard about, heard about the last couple months. Um, I know a lot of intermodal companies, drayage companies, everybody involved with containers going in and out of ports, specifically the port of Long Beach, which I believe is the busiest port in the United States, probably North America. Generally, Um, yeah. There's been issues with this crazy inbound surge of railroad demand, shipping demand, you know, probably all related to the pandemic. A lot of things coming in from overseas where containers are coming off these ships, they're going on trucks, they're going on trains and, you know, going all throughout the United States and not being returned in time. And it's turned into a shortage of containers to be able to fill up with stuff and ship back out to, you know, countries like China, Japan. Um, So Port of Long Beach has apparently heard the concerns of these trucking companies, railroad companies, uh, companies that operate the port. And now they are prioritizing what they call two-way intermodal moves. um, And they want to get to a point where at least 50% of deliveries to the port, pickups and deliveries, uh, to and from the port are what they call dual transactions now. So that means if you're coming in to pick up a container, whether that be for a truck or a train, you're going to be dropping one off. Um, that way they think it can completely optimize the supply chain there and hopefully get rid of some of the congestion and backup that they're seeing caused by this you know, overwhelming demand in container need. Um, so they are working to improve the appointment system with the carriers that frequently go in and out of that port of Long Beach basically try and organize you know like i said when they're coming in to pick up a shipment they're dropping off a previous one with an empty container Um, so that's going to increase operational efficiency and basically they said that's needed right now because it's an unprecedented surge in demand mainly because of the COVID 19 pandemic well yeah i mean the only thing that i'm thinking is when those containers move out of that that uh the shipyard where the ocean container is um you obviously have drayage moves, right? So right. it'll most likely be going to a dray um, center. Yep. And then from there, you're going to have those moves from drayage out to, a lot of times, it's going to be distribution centers, right? It's going to be DCs. Um, and then usually from those DCs, I mean, then who knows? You know, I think a good majority of those are, you know, hey, return from DC back. You know, there's a lot of contracts in place with a lot of intermodal and drayage carriers that will handle that stuff. Yeah. Um, my thing is, though, is, when you start going to rail, it could go anywhere. It could go, it could go across the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that 
and the uptick in rail that we saw so much of this past year um, yep. has, and we've seen it because the price has just gone through the roof, right? Because yep. that demand is there, and not a lot of these um, rail yards have those containers, you know? So yep. it's like, where's the missing link on this? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out how to connect everyone involved to make sure that we're bringing at least 50% of these containers back within a timely fashion to just improve everything here. And I know we have a good amount of agents that work a lot in intermodal and work a lot out of Southern California. So this will definitely impact them and they're probably happy to hear it because it's been a headache and that headache has probably played a big factor in the cost going up because containers well, aren't yeah. as available as they normally are. You can't get your hands on one. Right. I mean, it's all well and good when the price is a decent rate and all that. It's like, but you know, that's why that price has kind of seen it jump as well. There's no capacity in it. Yep. Which is something we rarely see, as far as my time in logistics, something you rarely see as far as like a rail uh, or a uh, container shortage, right? Mm-hmm. And that, like you said, that's going to affect everything from your rail yards all the way back to your ports. Yep. Um, and, and I'd be interested to see kind of how the East Coast ports are doing with this because I know that the East Coast, last year um, when I was on a, a different podcast, we were talking a lot um, that a lot of these ports, as far as the volume and the uh, actual movement of freight through these ports, your um, South Carolina, yep. uh, oh my God, Charleston. There you go. Thank you. I was drawing a blank on that one. Your Charleston port is quickly becoming one of the top ports yep. in this country as far as volume. Um, is your uh, what do you call them? The TEUs. Yes. Um, as far as like the tonnage that's going to be there on those ports, uh, and then also. Uh, you got the Jersey port, right? Yep. So I'd be curious to see, and I'd have to imagine that those ports have a little bit better um, yeah. of availability on those containers and stuff yep. like that. And, and that was kind of the shift in freight that we were seeing a lot. You know, most of the stuff coming in from China is going to be where it's going to be coming into the ports in California. Yep. Um, and then what happened a lot with those is we saw a lot of those tariffs get increased on Chinese imports. Um, and, and that kind of subsequently led a lot of companies in this country to over overstock their inventory mm-hmm. with one last rush at the end of 2019 to get all those orders yeah. and that's what or I'm sorry 2018 and that's what we saw 2019 2020 subsequent yeah, just roller coaster ride yeah. that has been the whole supply chain in America we're yep. talking from getting there at the port all the way to over the road getting it delivered so it'd be interesting to see the stats on the East Coast ports. Yeah, it's going to be something interesting to keep up on. Maybe the East Coast ports have had something like this in place for a while. Maybe that's why they don't have the congestion, or maybe they're not not seeing that much of a demand that they're seeing in Long Beach, so they don't have to deal with this. I don't know. Yeah. But I'd like to it. get somebody on. I mean, I, I know one of the companies that uh, does a lot of port moves right now and is all over LinkedIn, at least that I see, is PortX, and, and they're a company that does handles a lot. They go, I know they handle Charleston, they handle Long Beach, they handle up in Jersey so I don't know, maybe we'll do we'll do a little reach out maybe and yeah. see if we can get somebody on to That's kind of discuss idea. that you know yep. we'll take uh, take the podcast to the next level start getting some guests yeah get an industry expert in here I like it <laughs> I like it well I mean that was uh, as far as the um the ports going everything I mean that's the heartbeat of where everything starts here as mm-hmm. far as you know freight moving in this country so uh, definitely want to keep an eye on that yeah so certainly um well I do kind of want to pivot here a little bit from a market update, kind of what's going on out there to kind of take this opportunity. You know, we said there's not a ton of, you know, hard hitting news going out there as far as, you know, new things and things like that. We've we've kind of talked about the COVID-19 vaccination, all that. 
I feel like we're going to be talking about that in the next upcoming month or two as far as what are the actual developments on yeah. the distribution the of challenges, that. Right? The challenges that they're seeing. But for right now, I'd like to take an opportunity to kind of dive. You know, we've been doing a lot of operational um, things that we're, we've been talking about freight-wise, a lot of operational things, day-to-day stuff. Yep. I'd like to take the opportunity today and, and talk with you, Alex, a little bit about business development, like some, some true, hey, um, I, I kind of want to grow this thing. Right, as far as your book of business or your agency, things like that. Yeah, we want to talk about you know longer term planning and trying to increase what you got going right now because we know in the freight business you could have the best customers in the world. You could have two or three customers that you're making a ton of money off of, and one day they could just be up and gone. Either they close down, they find another broker that gives them a cheaper rate, whatever it may be. They might have you know a change of management at that company, and someone else is handling transportation now. You never know when your you know bread and butter is going to disappear. So you always got to be focusing on trying to find new customers, trying to maintain what you have and keep those relationships you know on the up and up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, some good topic to talk about here. And mainly, what we kind of want to focus on today, you know, it's, it's definitely we're getting into like prospecting with that. I mean, we definitely want to focus on that always, but we kind of wanted to take a, a dive into all right when. When is a good time to think, hey, you know, like, let's talk numbers, right? When should I think as far as like my book of business growth? Um, when should I think about maybe hiring somebody on? That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, and then from furthermore from there, do I need operations help or do I need sales help? Right. Yeah. So kind of be able to identify those things, have the answers to those questions. And then we'll take a little dive into just some basics on, you know, um, pay structures for hiring operational versus sales. Um so I think the biggest and the most important question to ask yourself as a broker, as an agency owner first, is do I want to grow? Right. And I, I mean, obviously, we always want to grow. We always want to add new customers, things like that. But do I, when I sit down and I think about, you know, my quality of life, what I want to do, right? We all do this for a livelihood, right? And do I want to, that's the first question, right? Because if, if you don't have the want and the hunger to really kind of, you know, hey, I'm at a million dollars in revenue a year, I'm living comfortably, I'm good. Yeah. I don't really feel like taking it up a notch. Right. If you don't feel that and you try and get into it and you, you just kind of force it, you're setting yourself up for failure for there. Yeah, you're probably going to struggle there. Like if you're comfortable with where you're at, like you said, and there, there's a lot of brokers like that. And there's no problem with that. You yeah. Know, if you're comfortable with the amount of money you're making and the freight that you're moving, you know, fine, stay that way. But if you have a hunger to do more, then you need to kind of figure out your tipping point of when does this become more than just a one man or woman operation? When am I going to be pulling my hair out and not getting any sleep at night because I have too much freight to cover, too many customers to give updates to? Yeah. When do I need to think about hiring someone, bringing someone on to help me, you know, make everything happen here? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say then, you know, we I just wanted to importantly differentiate that right it doesn't it doesn't not a hundred percent of the brokers out there are going to be made or or should try and grow at an exponential rate right right you get to a certain point still always be looking at customers and that's kind of that's your niche right and that's fine but for the people that do have that entrepreneurial spirit that 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 need that want to grow that book of business it's really you know it's kind of a thing where you're never satisfied right yep. you see 1 million the next year you see 1.5 and it doesn't matter i want to keep going to the next yep. level right um, so we kind of want to talk about some benchmarks right mm-hmm. that i've seen kind of just doing this you know that you've seen uh, as far as when do i even want to think about that right yeah. and it kind of you know it, 
in this industry, obviously, it always it depends, right? That's the number one answer to the questions that we get all the time. It really depends. But um, to kind of put a number on it and, and kind of from and I'm interested and curious to see what you think about this. As far as we're talking revenue per year, right? Let's just go on that. I would say that anytime you get to about 1.5 to 2 million in revenue per year, um, you're going to need to start thinking about operational or sales help, some kind of outsourced additional help if it's just you, right? Yeah. So I would say, like I said, about 1.5 to 2 million is where you see that kind of the scale start to tip. Yeah, I completely agree with that because at that point, and I would think, for my opinion, you might need more operations help at that point because you have the customers that you're getting enough freight in there, but there's only one person. You only have two set, you know, two sets of hands that you can answer the phone. Um, so if that phone's ringing off the hook, you got to bring on some other people to help you. Like, take you down Bluetooth set plus two phone. Maybe you yeah, can answer three. I mean, maybe you could, but you got to have people help you. You know, answer the phone, reply to emails, try to cover you know loads here and there, and also still keep that prospecting mindset you know in the back of your head. So you gotta you gotta figure out what you need and. I know you're going to speak on this. There's a difference between do I need ops help or do I need sales help? Do I want to grow more customers and have someone that's you know an expert at cold calling and has relationships to bring new customers in? Or do I feel comfortable in that I just need more help to cover these loads? You led me right into it, Alex. Yeah, that's, that's <clears throat> exactly it. I mean, the first thing, once you determine, yes, I am at a level where it's starting to get a little too much and I do need to hire help. Yep. There's no way around it. I can't contract it out. Um, you know, other things to look at just quickly here, if you don't, you know, maybe you're at like a million, let's say, and you're just, you're pulling your hair out and, yep. it's, and it's not really working for you. Look into things like a carrier sales program that yep. a, uh, that your brokerage would have, right? Yep. Somebody like in-house, a corporate kind of presence to, to, to help you out and, and alleviate that, right? That's not going to require you to pay a salary or pay anything to anybody yeah. except for a cut of your commissions that are coming in. Yeah, you're not responsible for their livelihood at that point. You right. know that they're taken care of by the company, but they're there if they need you. Exactly, because that's important to think about when you're hiring is you're hiring on somebody to be a part of your team. You know what I mean? Like right. your livelihood, what you do. Right. So you got to have a good – you're going to be continually developing and growing that person, um, and that's really – that's going to be – the source of, of how you're making money. So you got to be able yeah. to mesh with that person. That's and it's a big thing. change going from doing everything on your own to now having someone that you're responsible for, you know, making sure that they're taken care of, but also being able to trust them to not mess things up for you, basically. You know, you want to be able to trust them almost as much as you can trust yourself doing these things. So you got to find the right people for it. Right, exactly. And I think really what uh, I wanted to mention here, our, uh, our blog post that we had from our yeah. marketing director and also our producer, funny enough, um, Drew and he in our blog post that we just had gonna go out. Um, he really gets into that in depth as yeah. far as like, hey, uh, should I even hire? What are some of the things that I need to look for as far as like from not even from a brokering standpoint, just from a small business standpoint. Having employees, right? What is it like to have an employee, right? Yeah. And he, uh, I think uh, I'm gonna quote him here, and he says in the one, it's it's likely. An important resource for you, since your area of expertise probably isn't HR, right? Because yeah, that's not at all. <laughs> I know me; I am not an HR guy. Yeah, no, and I no. never will be, never have been. I'm just free. You know what I mean? So it's important to kind of note that, right? 
until you are at a level, like I said, at 1.5 to 2 million, maybe you need to find other ways to outsource it. And he goes through that in the blog as well. So uh, we'll leave links to that blog um, on our website. Uh, definitely check that one out because that, that's a great read, right? Yeah, it's very valuable if you're getting to that point in your business. You're like, okay, what do I do now? Right. Check it out. This will, this will give you some... And that gives you a good background into what we're talking about yeah. from then the operational, the actual freight portion of hiring. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the things that you'll be responsible for in having yeah, exactly. Well, so I want to kind of dive into it then and briefly, uh, and we're going to kind of get, you know, obviously, as with every topic we talk about here, it's an ever-developing, we're going to have more episodes on it, things like that. But, um, so, now I've realized that I do need help, and then, again, your first question is, do I need operational help or do I need sales help? Um, and how do I differentiate between, do which one do I need? For me, I'm going to kind of give my opinion and see what you think about this, Alex. I mean, for me, I'm never, ever, ever, my first hire is never going to be a salesperson. It is always right. going to be an operational person. Um, reason being, that person, if you're bringing in a salesperson, they're going to need to be revenue generating, right? right. You're not going to have a revenue for them to, uh, in some cases you will, and we'll get into that in a minute, but... You're not going to have generally, you know, an operations already have a revenue to play with as far as like what this person can work on yes. to maximize profits on yeah. that, right? Um, so it's important to note that in my experience, never hire a salesperson first, always go to that operational hire first because chances are um, that you as the business owner, or you as the broker, you have sales experience. You are the salesperson. You are the salesperson. You yeah. are, you're good at it, you right? You brought on all your customers that you have. Right. Maybe you just don't have time right now. You don't right. have time because you're so bogged down. And we've felt it. We've seen this. You're yeah. so bogged down operationally and making sure your customers right now, the current ones, are serviced right. to your level that you want that I can't go out and I can't try and grow that top dollar amount. Right. I can't grow that revenue because I don't have the support in the back house. And you probably feel more comfortable continuing to grow that yourself than trusting someone new. Right. That you maybe just met or maybe you've known for a while to do that for you. Yep. And you made a good point about they're going to have to come in and you know generate revenue and that's not easy just coming and starting from the bottom. So yeah. another thing I want to say about that is you, you did hire a sales employee first. Let's say you do that, you bring on a sales employee, they bring in new customers, that's going to be even more operational work for you to do, and it's still only you doing it. So yeah. it just doesn't make sense logically. The ops person, I would agree with you, probably should be the first one. You know, Make sure you're covered on the back end before you're bringing in more than you can handle. Yeah, I mean, if I'm bringing in a salesperson first, if I ever did do that, it would have to be a perfect storm, right? I would need to find somebody who... Uh, I'm not even going to say has their own book of business. I'm going to say basically I'm so good at prospecting that I still have connections with a ton of prospects, but I just can't work them right now, right? I talk with them um, and, and we quote and do this and do that, but I don't really work them. I haven't got freight out of them, right? If you have a boatload of that stuff going on, sure, that you can think sales. That might be the right situation, yeah, because you have the person that has the time to call and email and have those conversations. You have something for them to work on. Persistent. Right? You have potential revenue that they could turn into new revenue. So, And if that person... I'm not going to trust just a brand new sales guy. I want somebody who's been in this, right? Who's done brokering. And then on the flip side, like you said, I'm going to want somebody who has operational experience as well. So that's, you're trying to find a unicorn, a guy yep. who does a lot, really strong in sales and really strong in operations. That person's probably already a broker. Exactly. That person probably already has their own agency. Exactly. Right? So it never really works out as far as hiring a salesperson first, in my experience. Again, not out here saying that it never will or can work, but generally speaking from what we've seen. I just feel like it makes more sense to focus on operations, make sure you're, everything's handled, 
everyone's taken care of, and then you can start to focus on, okay, maybe I want to bring someone else in that can bring me new customers because we have the capacity on the operations side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going to go into uh, the next thing. Again, makes you just talking about this. A good idea is training, right? So how do we train an operations or a salesperson? And right. So we'll, we'll get into that, I think, in a further episode. But I do want to focus on quickly here. Let's get into operations, and let's briefly talk about some pay structures, right? Because that's going to be the first thing. How do I pay? What do I pay? This and that. The how and the everything as far as the back end of the business side, um, I'll refer you to our blog post because it talks about it in there as far as some really good links and some really good research you can do um, as far as like, you know, hey, I have to state taxes and, and payroll and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to talk just kind of very big, basic level here as far as numbers. Um, a couple different ways I've seen it done, right? Uh, and most of the time, pretty much every time, you're going to have a, some kind of draw, some kind of base salary, a small one for yeah. that operations person. Um, where basically, you know, just think about if you were looking for a job, I want at least some some guaranteed money coming Absolutely. in, even if the sales aren't going to be there, you know, necessarily the first month or two, right? Right. I've seen anywhere from thirty to forty k, depending yeah. on the area you're in, as far as like your your starting off base salary. Yep. Um, and then from there, you're obviously going to have a plus commission, right? And the way you break down that commission, I've seen people get very creative with it, right? Um, you know, obviously, you have your traditional quota, right? Let's say there's a quota of a certain amount monthly in profit you need to get to as an operational as far as, hey, I've covered this much freight and profit, right? Let's right. say five grand in a month. I get the five grand, and that's my quota. I'm not going to get paid on that. But then anything over that five grand, right? Let's say I get up to 10 grand, then we pay out a percentage on that excess, right? Yep. That excess, that additional. And usually what I see is like 10 to 20% of yeah. that. Yep. And I feel like that's a good, fair way to treat this person that you've just brought on as an employee. Like you're giving them some sort of a base pay so they feel secure in that. But then you're also giving them the opportunity to make kind of as much money as they want. And it's also a big encouraging factor to see like if I do this well each month, I'm going to make a lot more money. So, yep. I also like, there's another one um, that, this was kind of a creative one that I picked up and, and saw a couple of years ago uh, when I was first starting out here at LDI, uh, and it's basically just a flat dollar amount per cover, which I kind of like, right? So every single load that I cover um, as a sales, or I'm sorry, as an operational guy, I'm either going to get, and I've seen anywhere from 25 bucks to 50 bucks each load that you cover, right? Right. And you kind of just rack those up, right? And if right. you get to a certain dollar amount in that, you get a bonus, right? I yeah. mean, you got, you're always going to be wanting incentivizing that person to keep making more money. You want them to, because the more money they make, more money, you more make. money you're making, yep. right? Um, so those are the two main ones that I've seen that. That's, yeah. And I think that's, that's a unique way to go about it. It might be a better way if hey, I just need someone to get these loads covered and make it happen and not necessarily stress so much about like how much profit I'm making on each one. Obviously, that's important, but if the thing that's important to you is that they're just covered and they're taking care of it, you could do that flat fee yep. um, each time. And that's why it's important, again, at every level when we start talking you know, steps to hiring, at every level you need to ask, what is my situation? What is, what is ideal, right? If you are a volume um uh, broker, you yeah. might want to do that, right? Where right. it's like, I don't care what your profit at dollar amount is or percentage, just keep keep covering, keep yeah. covering. We need to cover, 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 as cover. As we can. You incentivize that person by doing that, hey, 25, 50 bucks a pop every yeah. single time you cover a load, no matter what, no questions asked. Yeah. It's a good one. Or if you are more concerned with 
increasing your profit margins or right. getting that dollar amount, making sure, well, then let's build up that profit to a certain quota. We need to have that. And you might even tie a percentage, a margin percentage onto that as well. Yeah. You need to be covering at least 15% on average. You know, yep. these are ways to kind of protect yourself, right, as you're hiring somebody so that somebody's not coming in and just covering freight at 2% margins for you. Yeah, and kind of bleeding you dry. Where Defeats just, the purpose of hiring. Yeah, you're making <laughs> less money now because you're just paying this person all this commission and making less profit. So, yeah, that'd be a good way to go about it. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then just quickly, we'll go through, like, uh, you know, obviously then secondary when I want to hire somebody sales is going to be when, I don't know, I, I, I've done some evaluations on books of business and things like that. And I'd say once you get to around that, uh, that three to 4 million mark, then you might want to start. If you, if you want to keep growing and climbing, you're going to need to start to bring on additional sales, right? You're going to need to. And once you're at that level, you're kind of self-sufficient. You have yeah. somebody as an operations person underneath you. Probably have a couple. Exactly. Right. You have some operations, you're going, and then you bring in a go-getter, right? Somebody who's going to go out there is going to do maybe the prospecting aspect. You're yeah. done with the prospecting. You kind of want to just grow your client base that you have and you talk to every day. But you want to get a go-getter that maybe is bringing in a, one or two customers with, with him or herself. Yeah. Um, and then they're going to do a lot of prospecting, right? And from there, I mean, most of the time that I've seen when you bring on a sub-agent, they call it, or um, you know, an employee underneath you as far as a sales guy or, or gal, um, that's going to be a lot of 1099, right? It's going yep. to be a lot of straight commission, right? Yep. So, you know, anywhere from, you know, you add up on a monthly rolling total, you know, there's, there you can set, you got to have at least 15,000 in profit and a 15% margin percentage and you get paid 40%, 50%, anywhere from 40 to 60% yeah. of the total profits that you bring in is, is typically what you see, right? Right, because that person's out there, you know, high energy, putting the work in to bring those customers in and give you that freight. So, yeah, you got to yeah. make it worth it for them. Oh, absolutely. And again, that, that's going to be your second hire, I would say. Well, not, not let's the second person, but your, your, your second jump, I'd say. Yeah. You're jumping from pond to pond, let's say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's going to be your second pond that you're going to want to jump to. Yep. Or third, I, I guess. On that. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but um, like I said, we'll get into it and we're going to dive in, into in a further episode as far as like we'll, we'll work some actual numbers in there and, and kind of, you know, what kind of operations person to hire, what kind of sales, things like that. Uh, but we just kind of wanted to start the conversation on yeah. that true, you know, hey, how do I actually grow it? Right. Now, right. you know, it's one thing to say I want to grow this business, but how... What are some ways to do it? And then smartly, right? Yeah, what can, I, what can I expect from this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we got a question that I took off of our, our little uh, our little Facebook group we got. And it's really just kind of an open-ended question for both of us to talk about, right? Anyway, and that's why I picked this one. And it, and it, it asks, what's the best company to sign up with as an agent? Right. So, I'll Alex, say, I'm going to defer to you first. I would just go through some of the aspects that you want to look for. So you want a company. I know every broker, biggest thing they're probably going to look at right away is going to say, are they going to pay me a competitive commission rate compared to what's going on in the industry? Um, so you want that to be competitive. You don't want to go somewhere where it's going to be significantly lower to what other companies will pay. You want it to be respectable. You know, you're working hard for your money, so you want to be paid a fair amount. Um, another thing, big thing, technology. They got to have a good TMS, a good solid, you know, TMS that has everything integrated into it, um, load boards, support, things like that. And then along with that, just like back office support um, to get customers set up, run credit, get carriers set up, deal with insurance and everything else that goes along with that. Accounting, 
you know, everything like that. You want a good company that you can partner with that you know is not going to mess that up for you on the back end because you're trusting them to handle all of that portion of your business. Yeah. And I would, uh, just to kind of reiterate what Alex was saying and kind of, I'm going to rank them, right? I mean, uh, as far as like the main points, right? And then, TMS, Transportation Management System, your technology. Right now in this ever-changing world, it's important. Yes, it definitely is. <clears throat> I'm I'm going to just say that you just get yourself a working TMS. That's, right. that's really, I mean, yes, the bells and whistles, the, the you know, integrations, the AP, APIs, things like that, all great. And you, you want to look for that stuff. But when it comes down to just what you really need, find yourself a working TMS. Yep. Right? And you can get by and you can do your brokering by that, right? Yep. Um, what I think really differentiates any brokerage from another one, because there's a ton out there vying for all these agents, right? Mm -hmm. Who, what brokerage, if I at 6.30 at night need to get a customer a prepay payment, or I need to get a customer set up, things like that. That back office support is going to be critical, right? That's going to yeah. be, for me, that's going to be the number one thing that I want to look at if I'm an agent choosing a brokerage, right? And that's why I want to drop a little little pat on the back here to LDI. Um, and this isn't from us. This is just from what we hear from agents. Yeah, It's that personal touch. It's that, hey, I'm not going to, even if I don't have an answer for you tonight or if we can't get it resolved tonight, Hey, we understand that there's a problem. We're working on it. We're going yeah. to keep you informed. We're going to keep you involved. It's not just going to go unread, unresponded to. Yeah, we're not going to ignore you at 530 till the next morning. You exactly. you got to be able to rely on the agency that you partner with to be there for you. I mean, it's a 24-hour business. they got to be there for you pretty much 24 hours a day. Yeah, the corporate aspect needs to be able to just quick, always responding, and you know, most of the time we're going to have a solution for you, right? Yep. Um, so for me, anyways... That's going to be my number one thing is the the corporate support um, and just knowing that somebody has your back, right? Because this is a lonely position as far as like a true 1099 independent free broker agent. Yeah. You're working from home most of the time in a home office, right? And when you're starting out, you're a one woman or one man shop, right? That personal touch from your corporate, you know, even just a simple reach out once yeah. a week, you know, hey, what's going on? How, how's business? That makes you feel included. It makes you feel involved. That's going to be the number one thing for me. It's going to be the support that you get, um, the response times that you get, and then that culture that that's going to be you know just your day of or your daily life as far as what you're yeah. working in. You know, you want to feel important to that that agency. So, yeah, that's man, and that's that's what we do here at LDI. And that's what me and Alex kind of are in the front lines doing with uh, yep. with agent development, right? We we bring in we from from the start when you get signed on by a recruiter take you through the training processes any questions any concerns you have we take you through all that um, and just show you how to run things here through LDI and then furthermore how to develop that business baby yep and that's that's why we put out this podcast too is just an additional resource and an additional um, information tool yeah, right we want to be able to help people succeed out here that's the name of the game baby. <laughs> I love it well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. We, uh, we've had a good one. It's, it's good to be back. Good to be back here in the office recording again with you, man. Absolutely. Um, and, and look out for next week. We'll be putting out another episode. Do a little update on, uh, on what's going on in the market. Maybe there'll be something new on the vaccine as far as distribution and, and all that. And we'll get back into it, man. And then we have Sunday night. Sunday night football. Another primetime game. Can't we wait. Already, we already gave you our predictions, but uh, 
we're gonna we both got a Bills win here, so it's got it's got to happen. Hopefully, hopefully our uh, listeners are out there rooting for us. Rooting I love for it. Team. Well, as we always say here in Buffalo and on the Broker Bros podcast, go Bills. Go Bills.